Hello, and welcome to Calming the Chaos, where we present tips, tools, and techniques to help you find peace in a chaotic world. I'm your host, Tracy Canella, licensed mental health counselor at Lokahi Counseling. This channel and the Calming the Chaos podcast is for those who want self-help and education. It's not a substitute for counseling or psychotherapy. So if you like the information, please subscribe to my channel and share it with your friends. Thanks so much for listening. And now, let the chaos begin. Hello, and welcome again to Calming the Chaos. I appreciate you joining me today. It is going to be such an amazing day. I'm so happy to be here with all two of you. Actually, I've got my my two mods here, so that's probably who's in the audience. And it is pretty early on the West Coast here, but I appreciate anybody who joins today, for sure. We are trying to create peace in a chaotic world and also managing our own chaos. So we're trying to help people to find peace in whatever way we can and have a little fun along the way. And so, here we are with a live YouTube podcast interview. And it's with somebody that I've really just barely met all the way from across the country. This person is Zach Rutledge and he is an artist, I believe. Really, I would probably describe him as that. And that's really all I'm gonna say because I'm gonna let him introduce himself fully. I don't think I'll be able to do him justice. I will say this though, is we met on a Podmatch site. So podcasters and they try and find people who they will interview and somehow he found me. And I'm really super glad because he has so many different interests and I call him an artist because I think that's when I have talked to him before, which was only once, I just really got that impression from him. And so we're here today to talk about the chaos of depression. Now, Zach has written a book about depression and it's a recently published book too. In September, it was published and I've read through it. I just absolutely love it. It's very simple, it's not that long. And so we're gonna have him talk a little bit about himself and about his book, about when he first started noticing signs of depression. We'll get to know him and then we'll try and get some tips and tools from him so that you can learn how to calm your chaos if you're depressed. Because, you know, depression is somewhat debilitating and or very debilitating and can cause a lot of chaos. And so I'm so happy that we're able to talk about this subject. I'm gonna check in with the chat really quick and see who's out there. So far, our trusty mods are out there. Thank you, Pastor Mark and my brother's brother, who is actually my husband and Pastor Mark is his brother. So if you can keep that straight, we can continue. I'm gonna go ahead and bring Zach up to the stream and we'll see how this goes. All right, so Zach, welcome to Calming the Chaos. Thank you so much for having me. This is an honor, thank you. Yeah, yeah, so this is a YouTube live podcast interview, but it's gonna be kind of like we're having a conversation and we're going to be looking at the chat to see if anybody has any questions or comments, but 
I would really like to know a little bit more about you. There's so many things that you have done or are interested in, but I always like to get a person's own description of themselves. So uh, if I asked you to introduce yourself, how would you do that? Well, I'll start, I'll just give you the quick bullet points, right? So um, I'm a certified personal trainer. Um, I'm a certified fitness nutrition specialist. Um, I'm also a certified brain trainer through the Functional Aging Institute. Also, uh, I'm a black belt in karate. I'm about to become a certified yoga instructor. Um, and I recently got into grad school to become a therapist. So I'm pretty excited about that. <laughs> yeah, so I can see that you're interested in a lot of different things. So I'm really curious about what your day-to-day -day life looks like with all of the certifications that you have. And then with the whole black belt and karate, what do you do? Do you, do you wake up and then you have uh, your glass of water and then go to like practice some martial arts or how did your, how do your days look? Uh, being... Not too far. Right. So, you know, brush my teeth and have a, a tall glass of water. That's how every morning starts. Uh, eat a healthy breakfast, take some supplements. And next what I'll do is I will sit and box breathe and we can get into that a little later if you'd like. Just It's just a mindful breath uh, practice um, for not real long, maybe five or 10 minutes. And I'll visualize my day because every day is so different. And I'll kind of visualize myself winning the day, so to speak. So kind of executing perfectly. So like before we did this podcast, I envisioned myself being calm, not stumbling, on my words, we'll see how, how well that goes. But, you know, um, basically having a good podcast and I visualized what's gonna happen tonight. I'm actually teaching um, a fitness class tonight. I visualized that, I visualized uh, going out tonight with my fiance. So I, I kind of just visualized everything first and kind of picking out anything that would that maybe could go wrong, smoothing it over. And um, that's how I start every morning. <laughs> By visualizing your plans for the day. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, which really starts the night before. It really starts the night before where I start making a list. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little much, but these are things that help me, right? So like, keeps me on track. So, so the needle is always uh, moving forward, I guess. Yeah, because yeah, I read about your list in your book, and I, you know, one of the things I really appreciated about that part of your book was that you you talked about putting pen to paper. And I'm a huge fan of that. And I, I know that there's a brain and hand brain connection that comes with writing things down on paper. And I've been teased a lot for using, like for taking notes and for talking about things and then putting a note down or journaling. I've been teased a lot, like, oh, she's always writing things down. But I appreciated that you like it. So you start the night before. I do. I do, yeah, um, and it's it's nothing crazy. Just making the bullet points of things I need. And I, you know, I also have a lot of long-term goals that I'm taking care of. So it's not just the short-term things like getting my oil changed or things like that. There are the longer-term goals like uh, uh, I'm making. I'm shooting a film in a few months, so that's a pretty complex goal, right? So you need to keep keep yourself on track <laughs> with uh, with these micro goals, really. Right, because your career was really in film and radio, correct? Yeah, I, I did video production and radio for a, a pretty long time. And, and I lost the, I eventually shifted to just video production and I was doing personal training on the side. Mm -hmm. And um, 
And I, that actually, I lost that because of COVID. So like a friend said to me, COVID was kind of like shaking the leaves from a tree. So it really exposed, okay, what do I really want to do here? So it was part of the reason I applied to school and part of the reason I wrote this book. Yeah, a total career change, uh, not not because you wanted it, but because it just organically happened, right? Yeah, and, and, and you know, that's one of the silver linings that came from this entire pandemic was, uh, you know, if, if you have the skills and, and you're lucky enough to be in a position where you can really think about everything and kind of step back, um, it it clarified things. It was almost like um, polishing a mirror, I would say. Yeah. yeah. So film, there's a film that you're making that is on your horizon that's a long-term goal. And so what you will do is, so in your book, you talk about the list of things that you want to change. Is this different than the list of things that you want to do for the next day? Uh, yes and no. So... Uh, of course, I always want to be more focused and I want to be more productive. Um, those things are kind of like, I don't want to say Sisyphus carrying the boulder because you do make you do make progress, but it's like um, you're always sharpening the sword, right? You can never, there's no such thing as I'm done being fit. I'm done being healthy, right? You can always be a little bit healthier. So the things I want to change, uh, I mean, I'm definitely in a better place than I was. Um, mm -hmm. But as far as things that I want to do, yeah, that's a little different, yeah, because those, those, you know, I like to take my physical pen and paper and cross them off. <laughs> yeah, you know, I actually had a boss who teased me, again, this is having to do with pen, pencil and paper, for writing something I had already done that day putting a little box next to it and then checking it off. Oh, I just I needed yeah. the satisfaction of seeing that I had done it. Oh, that's right, I did that. Oh, gotta check that off. Yeah, it's those, those small victories and they add up. And when you can see it and when you have that, that physical connection, right? Crossing it out, it, it counts. Yeah, it definitely counts. Absolutely. Yeah. So you make your list the night before and then you kind of remember what you have listed and you wake up in the morning and you visualize it. Can you tell us more about visualization? Because I'm fascinated by that. Sure. Well, there was that that one famous study and I won't bore everyone with it, but it, it was the, the famous study with the basketball players who would visualize themselves mm -hmm. shooting the basketball. Right. So if anyone wants to look it up, it's pretty, it's pretty fascinating. People, uh, they had people not practice basketball and people visualizing themselves throwing a basketball into a hoop and then people actually practicing it. And the people who sat and visualized it did almost just as well as the people who actually threw the ball, uh, way above the people who didn't do any practicing at all. So there is, there is a real, uh, progress you make there right with the visualization. So, uh, I think one thing that's important though, is that you, when you're visualizing, there's no such thing as perfect, except for when you're visualizing it, right? Cause nothing's going to go perfectly. Good point. So if you visualize yourself going through it perfectly or visualize, visualize yourself, um, even let's say you have a big speech for work coming up. Like I would have that presentation. If I took the five minutes to visualize myself walking into the room, making the speech, being calm and present, and I would, I would do like, like I am right now, not on purpose, closing my eyes, mm -hmm. um, and, and presenting myself, you know, standing up straight, 
calm, receptive, all those things. It's like you've already done it before. Yeah. So, so it, it's, yeah, it's like you've already done it before. It's not, it's not a cold speech anymore. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I have some experience with that too, being a musician and you are a musician. I don't know if you've ever done this, but well, you, I'm a woodwind player. So at one point when I was in college, I had my wisdom teeth pulled and I was a music major and I had to practice probably about three or four hours a day. Well, I couldn't do that when I had my wisdom teeth out because it would cause some inflammation in the sockets and all that other stuff. So what one of my teachers told me to do was to sit in band practice or sit in my my practice room where I would be at uh, my college. And instead of actually putting the horn in my, well, I put, my, put the horn in my mouth, but I didn't breathe because that's what was gonna irritate my sockets. I visualized myself uh, breathing. And then also I visualized myself uh, fingering the notes and I, would, I wouldn't actually play the horn, but I was doing the notes and I was looking at the music and it was two weeks that I had to do that. And we had a concert coming up and I was so nervous about how I was gonna play when I actually got to play my horn again. And I played so well. I don't know why I didn't do visualization instead of practicing all that time. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Yeah. Have you ever done visualization with music? And maybe you could tell us a little bit about what music you play and your history with music. There's a, there's a, um, there's another study where people, so I, I play mostly uh, bass and guitar, which takes some kind of hand strength. And there were, there were visualization studies where people would actually just visualize themselves squeezing, you know, those little hand uh, exercisers, those little squeezers, I don't know what they're called. And um, people would visualize themselves doing it. And that's all they did. And there were actual, there was actual neural growth, physical neural growth just visualizing it, the practice of visualization. Now I've been playing bass for over 20 years and I have to admit, I, um, because that's one of the few things where I'm, I'm naturally confident because I've played so many shows, I kind of like getting the butterflies because I rarely do it. I'm, I, I, I'm in front of people almost every day because I'm a, I, I teach group fitness. And so I kind of like the, the butterfly. So I try not, I actually don't visualize um, being in front of the crowd. The only thing I will visualize though, I will say this is if I'm, for some reason it's always in the shower, I'll visualize um, my hands exactly where they're going to be and myself hearing the notes and, and I'll run through the songs. I'll do that, but I won't visualize the crowd because I, because I, I want the butterflies. <laughs> it sounds silly. Yeah. Well, no, it's a, it actually, it's adrenaline and excitement is, is on that kind of anxiety spectrum. So good, good excitement yeah. and wanting to do well or excited about playing well is really part of being uh, a musician. So, well, I guess then you didn't want the butterflies for the podcast today or else you wouldn't have visualized it. Am I, am I right about that? <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're true about it. Well, yeah. I hope that you don't have uh, butterflies. I always know that there's always some technical snafu that happens with me. And before this whole thing came on, I was trying to figure out my wallpaper. And then I was trying to figure out, well, how am I going to look at YouTube chat? And then all of a sudden, this thing just blares. My tablet is blaring. And I forgot to turn my volume down. So now I have no chat. I have no idea what's going on. And I don't have any butterflies for some reason, probably because, you know, I've done my share of 
failing <laughs> at this channel. <laughs> you know, people probably wouldn't call it failing, but for me, it's like I didn't, I didn't succeed in what I wanted to do. I've done that a lot of times during this channel, and so maybe I should just visualize myself doing everything before. And when it's really important anyway, or when it's something that I don't do very often, like a podcast on YouTube. So thanks for that. So visualization is what you do at the very beginning of the day. After, well, yeah, after um, after my water, it's always the same order. It's brush my teeth, water, breakfast, visualization. That's my, my big thing to get my morning started. And now, did you come up with that as, you know, during your journey with depression and, and found that that helped? And, and if you did, how did you find that that helped you? That that specific order is helpful for you. Is that something that you have done to combat your depression? Believe it or not, I found it through oh, the first part anyway, the big glass of water. I found it in a podcast. Uh, which is, so in another section of my book, I, I talk briefly about um, positive, surrounding yourself with positive media, okay? So that was one of the things I had found. This guy, he had this this uh, little slogan, water before coffee. And, um, it, you know, this was really a brick by brick thing where none of it all happened. It didn't all happen at once, um, but in conjunction, I was also hearing things about um, how dehydration could directly affect mood and performance, which of course they, those go hand in hand. So that that would just seem like the best way to start things. And I and the interesting thing was I I physically felt it when I drank a full tall glass of water in the morning. I felt it, and it was subtle-ish, but it was there. <laughs> you can almost feel your eyes. You could feel it in your eyes and and, and my hands. I feel it. Um, yeah. Wow. So more energy, is that what you're saying? I felt hydrated. Yeah. I mean, I guess I guess it would be more energy, but just a little clearer is the best way I guess I could put it. Yeah. And those two things are really important if you struggle with depression, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Wow. But even physically, you know, I could I noticed I could even move my body a little bit better. And it and it all works together, right? You know, your brain is part of your body. Right. Yeah. So where does the teeth brushing come in? That's the first thing that you do, right? Well, yeah. Well, yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to drink any water with a gross mouth. So. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, you see. So so there's and I just again want to emphasize that people do things in different ways because they've tried them different ways. And like what you are doing is you're mindful that just water alone isn't going to work for you. That you want a fresh mouth. I agree with that too. And it's if it's really super cold, it's a lot better as well right after you brush yeah. your teeth. Yeah. Yeah. People people say that. I, I didn't put the the cold in the book because I know some people have sensitive teeth. So I'd say so I just, you know, the, the water is the more important part. And I don't want to turn people off and say, hey, it needs to be freezing cold. No, no, skip it. I feel like the water's primary and then the cold is the secondary. Um, yeah. but also um this and again things just this is after years and years of things kind of evolving. Um I read or actually okay Dr. Oz said it's not great to brush your teeth right after you eat breakfast because your teeth are a little soft um, just from the things going around in your mouth. Um, so he said it's better just to do it beforehand. So I kind of just built this order. <laughs> that has, yeah. And a lot of people like podcasts or doctors or trial and error, that has a lot to do with developing a routine that works for you. And, mm -hmm. and that's what I appreciated about your book too, is that you told the things that work for you and how you are 
were struggling with depression and you were able to develop some of these ways of doing things, it's the book you wish you had when you were first struggling with depression, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Um, it's almost written to be a gift because, you know, the funny thing, well, uh, I guess you could say the funny thing in a strange way is people who are struggling aren't going to reach out for this book. It's almost like I'm shooting myself in the foot. I'm writing a book that nobody's going to actually go after because <laughs> we're deep when there, when a lot of people, I'm not going to speak for everyone because everyone's different and everyone's experiences are different, but when they're deep in the throes of it, uh, it may be unlikely that they're going to reach out for a book to a book for help. So this, this could be a really good gift. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was going to ask you then. So when did you first notice signs of depression and did you actually identify it as depression? I didn't. Um, so I first fell off the cliff, so to speak, when I was 18 and my best friend was killed. And it was dark, but I assumed it was all circumstantial. What I, looking back in hindsight, I think it was more of just like a perfect storm type of situation. Um, it, yeah, it was the summer after high school. Everyone, all of my friends had gone away to college. There wasn't um, social media at the time. So it was like literally alone for months, um, almost the full year until people were back for the summer. And, you know, no communication. Um, so I think it was just kind of, and compounded with, I think there's just with a, a lot of the time, there's just a natural biological, uh, uh, I mean, time bomb comes to mind, but that's a terrible, terrible thing to say, but a natural biological dip, almost like people in their late teens, or early twenties, it, it's just something happens biologically as well as, as circumstantially. Right. Mm -hmm. So, uh, it was just this perfect storm and it, and it got me. Yeah. Yeah, I love, so I, the time bomb is okay to you. I just love metaphors. So when you said falling off a cliff, time bomb, I like that because it's very expressive of what your emotional experience was. So, yeah. well, so I'm full of them, so. <laughs> yeah, so, and those things make great songs, by the way, if you are into writing songs, but, and I think you are. I think I, I read that about your you yeah. in, in the books, yeah. And so, at 18 is when now in hindsight, you know that that's really the point at which, and, and so that was a pretty major event, a pretty traumatic, a traumatic event. And so you, it would probably be very sensible to think, okay, something could have happened at that point. Other people may fall off that cliff, so to speak, with, a, with more subtle things happening in their lives. But regardless, this is when it happened for you was that event, right? Yeah. 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 And it was, yeah. I was going to ask, when did you name it as depression? When did you finally figure it out? Like, oh, I am depressed or I'm struggling with depression. I think I was in denial for a long time. Mm -hmm. That happens. And I said it was purely circumstantial. I don't think I had the um, insight to realize that it may be a chemical thing as well. So it was a few years. It wasn't months, it was years mm -hmm. to, yeah. to, I mean, I would say close to five years. Yeah. Yeah, and then it was like, wow, well, how, you know, other people are moving on and I'm not, what's going on? 
And I don't, I think that is one of the most important things about depression that I want people to realize too, is that it it's one of those subtle things that it does. It's not, not like you go to bed one night and you're okay. And then the next morning you wake up and you're depressed. Certainly that does happen with some people, but for most of us, it is that gradual progression and we just don't realize we're in it. You can't read the label when you're inside the bottle, right? That is so true, right? Yeah. yeah, it's it's hard to, and it and sometimes it takes, I guess maybe just some more awareness or somebody telling you something or somebody making a comment, and then to help you to kind of get out of that bottle so that you can re read the the label. But yeah, how did it work for you? How did you notice that you were depressed, and uh, yeah, be able to climb out of that? Um. Well, it's easier to point out things in like physical terms. So for me, I'm five foot nine. And just for a point of reference, I weigh 170 pounds right now, which is probably the biggest I've ever been. Um, and I, but I, I lift a lot of weights. I work out a lot and I, and I actually uh, take creatine, a little bit of creatine um, to, to keep my muscle on. I'm a hard gainer. Okay. So I'm an ectomorph, they say in trainer world. So, um, so 175.9, and I'm, you know, that's fine. And I was down to 124 pounds. Mm. So that's a lot of weight loss. Yeah. And, you know, I, I wasn't this big, but I definitely wasn't supposed to be that small either. Well, that is one of the markers that I guess you would look for, right? And, you know, you're noticing, and that is something that can happen really gradually as well. So even if you're talking about that five-year period of time where you were not even realizing anything was wrong, if you were going to be losing weight gradually during that time, you could not maybe even notice it at first, right? True. Yeah. Yeah. And other people though, they notice, trust me, I work with eating disorders and they do, they notice and they comment. So I don't know if that happened to you. Oh yeah. People noticed and they commented, but it was like this weird, I was living in this weird, like rock and roll world. And plus we were very young. So, you know, when you're looking at it, uh, for argument's sake, let's say Mick Jagger, you know, a thin guy, uh, it was just like, almost like a fashion thing. It wasn't really, people weren't like, oh, this is dangerous. Cause when you're that young people, that's the furthest thing from people's minds. Like, oh, being too thin is, is dangerous, especially for men, right? Mm -hmm. Cause, because, because the big message out there is always, you know, obesity is the dangerous thing, you know, and skinny is good, <laughs> but you know, like anything else, you know, it, that comes in extremes, right? And the, and the extreme low end is, is no better than the extreme high end. And that could happen too with depression is people will put on weight. So Absolutely. when the weight changes from what it typically is or what it usually is, then that is a marker. So that's something that people can get be aware of is weight. I think sleep is another thing. Like I'm not sleeping as much as I used to, or I'm sleeping all the time, or mm -hmm. I'm waking up quite a bit. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. These were, were all markers. Yeah. So for you, it was more like, all right, so I've lost a lot of weight. That was, I, I don't do the quick math there. So it's like 60 pounds, right? <laughs> well, I was, I think pounds. I was weighing, it was more like 20 at the time, at the time, but still 20 pounds when you only weigh 145, mm -hmm. I would say you, you see that. 
Mm-hmm. You see yeah. that for sure. Yeah. And so is that what pulled you out of it or made you aware that there was a problem with depression? No, 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 no. no. So it wasn't so much. I mean, the, the realizing I had a problem was like a gradual thing or or I, I knew I wasn't comfortable. I, I knew things just weren't great. I, and, I, and I blamed a lot of it on outside things, right? Not blame, but I, I, I um, attributed it to outside things. So I was like, so if I'll be like, okay, well, if this changes, then I'll be better. And if this outside of me changes, then I'll be better. When I wasn't um, focusing inward, mm-hmm. right? It's easier to focus outward, though, to your credit, right? Though this is where we would look first is what can I change or what can I, you say, blame, attribute to my distress or upset or lack of energy, whatever it is. We do tend to look at outside sources first and not inward because it's a little bit more of a painful journey when we look inward, right? And and I just don't think the insight was there. You know, Mm -hmm. it was like, and I was putting all my eggs in one basket. I was like, okay, if I, if I, sell this many records, that'll fix it. If I play in front of this many people, that'll fix it. It's like, okay, well that happened, didn't fix it. <laughs> so all these things were not working and you're thinking, okay, what else? What else you know, could it be? I, I ended up, it was my absolute dream to play CBGBs in New York. And if there are any punk rockers out there, it's, it's um, you know, the Ramones and Talking Heads, and Blondie, they all, this was their place, right? So it's kind of like punk rock mecca. And we had a chance to play there with bands that were my heroes when I was in high school. And I remember after we played that show, I was miserable. I was sitting in our in our van while these other bands were playing. I wasn't even watching them. And just just and I was like, man, this is like this should be one of the greatest moments of my life. And in a way, you know, and I should I should point out, you know, in ways it was, right? It just like anything else in life, it's not a black and white thing. Yeah. And there are and there are ups and downs. Um but it should have been, you know, almost a moment of pure joy. And it was almost the farthest thing from it. Yeah. 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 And and I have heard similar things from reading about Kurt Cobain and the whole Nirvana. Mm-hmm. And he, sh- he was saying, I should be a lot happier. And it, there's this fame and popularity and these goals being met and then there's there's mental health conditions as well so yeah well cbgb's that's not like the heebie-jeebies right it's kind of <laughs> on words in that way it, it, it might be related i don't know <laughs> <laughs> yeah the heebie-jeebies is what i get when i kind of feel something's creepy around me that's the heebie-jeebies <laughs> so. cbgb's originally it, it's uh country bluegrass and blues because it was originally a country bar Oh, okay. And that didn't last very long. Uh, yeah. It turned into a punk rock place, but yeah, that's what it stood for. Awesome. Well, so it was in that that period of your life and the time that you were in a band that you really started to be aware that there was depression there. And was there any chaos that uh, you noticed? And even now looking back on that period of time in your life, any chaos that was going on? Well, that's already a pretty chaotic lifestyle i would say now luckily I, I never fell into drinking or drugs i know plenty of people who did um but there were weird like self-inflicted things like sleeping in my car like i didn't have to do that mm. and i don't even know what i was looking for at the time but it was like it was almost like you're you're searching for these 
other ways of just doing simple things mean like, well, maybe this will change it somehow. <laughs> so even just the chaos of, of trying to manage whatever's going on with me. And I'm just like, well, I'm going to try anything, even sleeping in my car. Yeah. It was just yeah. a very, I think that age is just tough too. That age was just tough to, to have that all come to a head. Uh, again, it was just that insight, which I think, you know, experience really helps, which is another reason why I wrote this book, right? Because it's kind of like a, uh, like I said, or like you said, it's the book I wish I had when I was 20. So it's like, it's kind of like almost like a roadmap or a guide. Yeah. Tell us a little bit more about the book. I'm, I'm curious to see what your favorite part of it is and I'll tell you mine then. But uh, yeah, you've got so many tips. I just, I'm wondering what your favorite part of the book is to, to be able to say, look back and say, yeah, I think this is a very, very useful part of my book. And then I want to know what tip that kind of stands out for you. Uh, even if it is box breathing, I haven't forgotten about that. I've got uh, that yeah, yeah, radar. yeah. That's a great one, right? Um, well, I think that one of the, there, there are two big messages, okay? One is you have to do the work. Uh, sometimes people want, want solutions handed to them. Um, I certainly did. Mm. So you have to do the work. So I really like one of the beginning chapters. I think it's the mindset chapter where it's like, getting you into gear, I would say. Um, the other one is, and, and this is almost the opposite, right? There, there I, I could say easily, there is no favorite, favorite part because I say in the book, there's no silver bullet um, because there are so many different causes, right? And different flavors is what I say in the book. There's so many different um, factors that come into depression. So I guess, tell you what, since it's so hard to describe, if, if your listeners um, want a copy, want a free copy of that chapter, I'll send it to them if they shoot me an email just so they can check out that chapter and, and, and see if they, uh, see if they dig it. Awesome. Yeah. And that's the mindset chapter too, right? Yeah. yeah. And I think that chapter is the one where you just put a bunch of different tips in there. It was toward the beginning of the book. In fact, I can bring it up right now if I want to, but I remember my favorite part of the book is when you said that this book is going to help you. It's not going to solve that problem for you, but it's going to help you to become the highest version of yourself possible. That is exactly what calming the chaos is all about. It's not like we have all the solutions. It's just that here I am kind of bumbling around and telling you what's worked for me yeah. and you can use those things. I love encouraging people to be the highest versions of themselves possible. So I would argue that you don't have to be in a chaotic situation to love your show. Correct? No. So, right. <laughs> so it can help anyone. And, and that was one of the best uh, compliments I, I got on this book was they were like, Hey, this is actually a really good book for anyone. You know, they don't have to be suffering from anything. This is just a really nice, um, nice little guidebook to improve anyone's life. And I thought that was really nice. Yes, it is the mindset chapter that I like because it had a lot of, of just really practical tips and tools that you can use. And it covers all of the life domains, which is really 
uh, what I like about it too, life domains. In fact, I have my my life domain palm tree here. I don't know if you can see it. Let me put it on screen. Yeah, ah. so, <laughs> so I am part Hawaiian and I made this up for a book, a chapter that I wrote on uh, eating disorders. And so eating disorders can affect all the parts of your life. So there's school or work, physical, mental, spiritual, emotional, and relationships. And so one of the things I liked about your mindset chapter is that it talks about mindset, but you can apply it to all of these areas of your life, right? Yeah, thank you. I love that tree, by the way. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was uh, interesting sort of trying to make that thing. And I don't even, I, I don't even ask me how I did it, but I was able to do it and it's published so nobody can steal it without, without my Very permission. Cool. Very cool. But, yeah. Well, so as far as the uh, any stories of depression that you'd like to be able to tell or any skills you'd like to give out, uh, what what would you like to say about helping people pull out of a depressive state? Ooh, well, that's what the entire book is about, right? So that's a loaded question. There's a whole lot going on there. Um, yeah, yeah. I'm famous for my loaded questions. It's like, wow, I didn't expect that question to be that big. Okay, why don't you tell us about box breathing? And we'll start there. <laughs> sure, great. Yeah. So this was actually developed by, uh, I guess, the Navy SEALs. And what you do is, and we can do this together if you'd like, but let me explain it first. And I teach this sometimes in my, in my uh, group fitness classes. Okay, so the way it works is we want to practice all diaphragmatic breathing, so belly breathing. Sometimes it helps if you take your hand and place it up against your belly because you can actually feel your belly pushing in and out. You want to breathe like a baby breathes, right? As we get older, sometimes we focus on chest breathing because it's um, a little more flattering, I guess. Um, but it's not the way we're supposed to breathe. We're supposed to be, have these nice deep belly breaths, okay? So if, if, if anybody knows the pranayama, if, if anyone, if there are any yogis out there, yeah, nice deep belly breaths, great. So now the important thing is we're all, we're doing this whole thing through our nose. Now you have this little cluster of nerves in the back of your nasal cavity. And when you get that rush of air over that cluster of nerves, it activates your parasympathetic nervous system, which I'm sure you know, yep. but for anyone listening or watching, that's uh, your rest and digest, mm -hmm. okay? So. What you do is, and now this is this is actually um, a combination of things, which is why I like it, because you're getting that physiological and also the concentration. So what you do is, is you visualize a box and you breathe in for a count of four, hold it for a count of four, out for a count of four, hold it for a count of four. And it's almost like you're drawing a box. And when I teach this in my classes, we'll do the first few together, but then I encourage people to do it on their own because, um, Everyone has different lung capacity. So like when I take yoga classes, I tend to hyperventilate because my lungs are bigger than a lot of the, the women who are teaching or taking the class. So <laughs> I, yeah. I like to encourage you know, people to do it. But we can always start. You want to do this? You want to start on our own? Yeah, or you want to start with me leading Yeah, this? and I'm, I'm noticing that I kind of am. I, I used to have clients put one hand on their chest and one on their belly and see which one's moving. And mm. if the chest is moving, <laughs> then you do want to make that adjustment to belly breathing. And I think I was, when you had me put my hand there, I was noticing that it wasn't moving. So little little side tip. Uh, I actually worked with um, a cyclist and she was having problems firing her glutes, which is actually a common thing. People tend to overfire their quads. So I said, put your finger up against your glute. And when you make that mind-body connection, she said, it worked. 
Ah, <laughs> oh, isn't yeah. it funny just to be just to have that one little we didn't even start breathing yet and I made mm -hmm. a connection and I noticed something that Pretty cool, it right? was going to help me to adjust that yeah. is yeah now I yeah. didn't create this. I'm just I'm just passing the message along you know I'm not taking I'm not taking credit for creating this box breathing but um but if you want to you want to do a little yeah. bit of it, cool. yeah so I always close my eyes but it's up to you hand on our belly and we're just going to start with a nice exhale and then in for count of four. Hold. Exhale. Hold. Clear your mind. Inhale. What if I what if I don't want to come back? <laughs> All right. <laughs> I felt good. I should do that throughout my whole podcast. <laughs> so what I do is I'll do that for about five minutes, and I'll let people go on their own and visualize that box as they go. So you're getting that visualization concentration practice in there also. Mm. Yeah, so I'll do that right before my visualization, yeah. And with combined with visualization too, I believe that box breathing, well, it is a visualization when you visualize the box as sure, well. Sure. Is there a breathing technique that you use when you do visualizations like you were describing when, when you wake up after you have your, your toothbrush and water, <laughs> then you visualize your day. Do you do a, a, any kind of special breathing? I know you've, you've done a lot of yoga, so uh, I don't know if any yoga breathing or any other sort of breathing technique comes into play while you're visualizing. Funny you should say that. So I always start with the box for about five minutes, and then I would say the next five minutes or so when I'm doing the visualization, it's, it's just a basic pranayama breath, which is a three-part breath. But in um, everyday terms, Let's just say it's just that that deep diaphragmatic belly breathing is what I do. That's it. Just really checking with that. And you will naturally float out of that throughout the day. Sometimes you'll just kind of naturally, you know, your head goes in different directions. You get caught up in that chest breathing because we're used to it. Yeah. Just bring it back to that, that belly breathing. A good place to do it is um, to practice your belly breathing is actually driving. Because oh. um, you're not doing anything else. You're just driving. And that's where I practice, okay, I practice bringing my chin back because we always tend to have our chins, our necks too far forward. Every inch your head is forward, it's an extra 10 pounds of pressure on your neck. So we don't wanna do that, we wanna be back because we're always hunching over, right? We're uh, eating on our cell phones is a big one, obviously. Uh, computers, things like that, we're always bring, going forward. So I tell my clients, bring their chins back, right? Shoulders up, back and down. So practice that one in driving and the nice deep belly breathing. So for some reason, that's where I, where I think to kind of ingrain that that um, that body memory in there. Oh my gosh! Well, I have to say, in the car, that is so key because guess what? You probably need to calm down and have your wits about you when there are people out there on the road who are road mm -hmm. raging or driving mm -hmm. not very safely. So, mm -hmm. yeah. So those are those are really some good tips that people can can use. Just and they're really super simple, and you don't need any fancy equipment for them, right? Oh, no, no, yeah. Well, so did your depression and the journey that you were on, did that influence you wanting to become a personal trainer? Um, hard to say. So if you, if you um, believe in it, which I do, the, the, uh, the Myers-Briggs test, <laughs> so developed by Carl Jung, right? Uh, or I guess based on his principles. Uh, I'm an ENFP. So... Um, personal trainer actually falls into one of those um, points of interest. 
uh, along with a lot of other things, but that's one of them. And I just kind of always gravitated towards it. And I just kind of saw it as another, you know, almost like a martial art, right? It was just like another checkbox because that's just the way I'm built is I wanted, I wanted to just, or actually I should say it this way. That's where I was, was I wanted to mark or add up these achievements, okay? And I thought becoming a personal trainer would be another checkbox and it would make me, you know, that much better, right? Or get me that much closer to um, being better or whole, whatever that means. Mm -hmm. However, that meant that was getting it was almost like, okay, so when I got my black belt, they hand you the belt and they said, congratulations, now you're a beginner, which was really interesting because it took me eight years to get it, but they were completely right. And that's like what it was getting my personal trainer uh, certification because um, I, I still hadn't worked with clients and it was the act of working with clients and developing. It was almost like I had to, that was where I started to really develop myself. It felt like from the inside out, as opposed to working on tests and things like that, memorization. I was working on the inside in uh, almost indescribable ways so I could support other people because a lot of the times, uh, for better and for worse, people come to trainers not just for, because they wanna lose some weight. They're coming to you for really guidance on, on a few different things. And people will share with you really surprising things, which I think informed my decision to become a therapist. Um, things that were just above my level. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So as a personal trainer now and a future therapist, and then also thinking about the I don't think I've ever met an EN, well, maybe not that I knew of, but ENFP, right? So for those of you who are not familiar with the Myers-Briggs or the MBTI, that is an, let's see if I can remember this, extrovert, intuitive, Yes. yes. Uh, F is feeling and P is perceiving. You got it. Yeah, ENFP. So, yeah, I'm trying to think about that with therapy and personal training, and I'm still coming back to the same thing. Do you remember what I told you the other day when we were talking on Zoom about where I thought that it would be great for you to go for a career? What's that? That would be for you to do something that is a mind-body kind of a thing. Like we have a lot of people who are into yoga therapy now and movement therapy. There's equine-assisted therapy. So something that's kinesthetic and uh, involves uh, helping clients to be able to reach their intuitive uh, capacities because maybe a lot of people don't trust their intuition. Yeah. So if you're intuitive, you could help them to develop that. And then the feeling and perceiving, you want to have a therapist with an F in there, you know, because <laughs> we, we are all about feelings, right? Right, right. <laughs> the, third, the third thing on your Myers-Briggs should be feeling, but it, but it could also be thinking or wait, eat. Yeah, it's a thinking or feeling, right? Yeah. I think I'm right there on the cusp. I had to learn about feelings uh, when I was in grad school, which was kind of embarrassing, but I think I'm an, a full F right now. So, and my thought funny. patterns are not great. So, and, and that's funny that you said that about the, the, um, the somatic stuff, because um, I do remember that conversation and I am going for that. So it, it's, it, it's uh, the programs for an LPC, Licensed Professional Counseling, mm -hmm. but there is a, um, a, a somatic, um, it's, it's called dance slash movement therapy. And I hesitate to say that because I cannot dance. So I'll be doing more of the movement stuff, yeah. 
<laughs> yeah, I could I could totally see you doing like one of those. Did you ever see that movie Napoleon Dynamite and how he danced to uh, Dequan? <laughs> yeah, there you are. <laughs> You've got those sweet moves, right? <laughs> like Napoleon. That's one way of putting it. <laughs> gosh yeah so this sounds like a super cool program and i know a lot of my clients who do yoga would just love to be therapists and they would love to be able to do that kind of work so it's a real great thing that you're able to and you were accepted into a graduate program right yeah i'm excited and, and funny enough it's funny that you said that because in my program now or my um my yoga teacher certification there are two therapists in that uh, in that uh class yeah. Out of the eight of us, there's two therapists and then me on my way. Yeah, so it's funny how we kind of swim in the same circles. Yeah, I really wanted to go to a yoga certification a training. And for some reason, I think the one I was looking at was in Portland. And it was a, maybe a week long. It just didn't work out for me. Me and my friend were going to go. We're going to go together. It didn't work out. Uh, maybe it was because it was really expensive. I'm not sure what it yeah. was. But I, I really wish I would have done it now because I don't know if they're doing those things in person because of COVID. It's just the world has changed so much. I really wish wow. I would have done it, you know. We're the first class back in person. And we, we, we do wear masks when we can, we're outside. We are all vaccinated, but since we're in a gym, we follow the rules. But awesome. yes, it's, uh, talk about the chaos, man. Yeah. <laughs> Your podcast yeah. is hitting at the right time. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, exactly. So, well, so then we've talked about your book. We've talked about your black belt and your work is just beginning. We've covered uh, your musician in a band and um, let's see. And you've got all these certifications that have to do with personal training, brain health, and nutrition. So you help people learn to use their minds and their bodies for good, I guess. Is that what you would say? Uh, maybe you could say something else about what you do because the garbage man is actually coming right now and I'm going to have to mute my mic. <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, yeah, I, I hope it's for good. Um, yeah, so... so it's funny, I didn't think about it until somebody pointed it out to me literally yesterday. Yesterday, They're like, wow, everything you do has to do with other people. And I was like, oh, I didn't, I never thought about that because I have, I have uh, friends who are, I mean, you could argue almost anything has to do with other people, right? But I have friends in finance or, or who, who are accountants and they're just very focused on their individual work, right? And, I, and I'm very much about, um, working with other people and uh, trying to get them the places that they want to go. Um, one important thing I do with uh, people who really struggle with working out, sometimes people get dragged there kicking and screaming by friends or siblings, things like that. I say, well, what's your why, right? Why are you here? And if people say it's to look good in a bathing suit that summer, it's like, oh, well, it's not really, it's okay. But I had a woman say, uh, she wanted to be strong enough to carry her grandkids up the stairs to put them to bed. And I was like, all right, there we go. And that's what I want to do. That's why I want to be here. So it's nice when you hear things like that. Yeah. Yeah. I, that, I love that goal too. And because it's going to motivate her to do what she needs to do to get to that goal. Yeah. And she did. Oh, that's great. Yeah. And it's very, very, it's, it's satisfying that you were there to be able to assist, but then it comes back to the highest version of yourself possible. You, the person, 
the person you're working with is doing the real work there. And that's what you were saying. That was your favorite part of your own book is this, this mindset. And also just like you, you have to be able to do it. You have to be willing to do and put in the work, right? Funny side note. Okay. So I teach, you know, I teach some, some classes are pretty intense. They're group fitness classes. And I'm very uh, informal in my classes and I, and everybody has my, um, my like my Facebook messenger and they, you know, they'll tell me if they need modifications or anything. So we'll do a hard class and I'll get filled with, uh, my inbox will fill with, you killed us. You, you, you know, you, I, man, you, you really did this to me. You really had me, you know, uh, sweating like crazy. And, and it's funny because, and I don't say this to them, but it's funny. It's like, I didn't do anything like you guys did this, right? Like you were the guys <laughs> doing the jumping jacks. I'm just the cheerleader, right? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you can take the workout to any level you want. I've seen yeah. people like, you know, half-ass a jumping jack or whatever. Yeah. I don't know if you could really half-ass a burpee or anything like that because <laughs> those are pretty much, you have to do it. Yeah, you're but... doing the work there. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> right. So, but, oh my gosh. Yes. So, but, but then, yeah. If you don't take, and this is a really great lesson for a future therapist, which you will be, if you don't take the credit for anything that they do, you won't be able to take any blame either when the work's not done. Oh, if you leave the responsibility solely with the client and not with yourself, I am not the source or the destination. I'm just merely the vehicle that's going to help you get to where you want to go. You're going to have to do the pedaling. You're going to have to do the driving. Then, then it, it's just you taking that, taking the, the role as, as a helper and not the doer. So, mm. yeah, I think that's one of the things that is, uh, has really helped me through my, throughout my uh, learning as a counselor. Cause yeah, as soon as you get your degrees and even after you get your license, the work begins and the work yeah. is still beginning. Yeah. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm nervous <laughs> for sure. And this may be a little boring for some people, but that's like the, um, that's, that was my biggest hesitation, you know, mm -hmm. when is just, am I going to take this home with me every day? Am I going to be able to sleep? Am I going to be thinking about this every day in the shower? You know? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So thank you for saying that. I, I appreciate that. The biggest thing to do is to notice. And then, and so if you regularly, and it sounds like you do, you regularly check in with yourself, then you'll start to notice even the little most subtle changes in your mood and you'll be able to make those adjustments. I call it like driving a car. And I've been guilty of this, like I'm driving my car and then all of a sudden, I'll be going like, oh my gosh, I'm veering off toward the road because my attention like went somewhere else other than the road. And and then I have to make this really huge adjustment. It's it's better to be able to to be very mindful and notice and and drive drive the car and make these small adjustments along the way. It's just a lot easier and gentler if you do it that way. So if you have an, a regular practice like you do, I think you're mm. going to be fine. In fact, I'm going to give you a hypnotic suggestion. I'm going to say you're going to be great and people are going to love working with you and you're going to be able to create good boundaries and notice when you're getting out of balance in your life. I'm oh, super excited you. for you. Yeah. Thank you so much. Do you have a book? <laughs> well, it's funny that you say that um, because I've been working on a couple of book ideas and I really can't get it fi them finished. I've got a lot of them started. And what I'm thinking about doing is taking a sabbatical off of podcasting for the summer and trying to get some of these projects 
completed. But yeah, I have one that I have for mindfulness and one that I'm going to be putting together for my radical uh, cure, my radical cure, my radical solution for improving your relationship with food and your body. Wow. And so that's an R-A-D-I-C-A-L is an acronym for the steps that you take to do that. So but it's just not finished. You were able to get your ebook. It, it's not an ebook. It's a printed copy, right? It's printed both. Oh. Okay. Yeah. You were able to get that done um, in less than a year. So uh, I, so that is really for me very, um, I mean, it's just, I really admire you for being able to oh. complete that project. Oh, thank you. That, that means a lot. Cause you know, you guys are my heroes, you know, the people <laughs> who are already doing it. So that means a lot. Yeah, um, but, but hold on before we forget, I don't want to interrupt, but I yeah. need to read your books. I need, please put me in the front of the line, please. Cause I, you know, I will, oh, I will happily great. pick up either of them or both of them. Um, so yeah, please, please. Yeah. And then, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, go ahead. I was going to say, if you want a copy of my CD, I, I can give that to you on a thumb drive or on uh, just a oh. CD. Not a lot of people have a CD player, but I always give those away. It's on Amazon too, but it's a meditation. It's a, not a meditation CD, but it's more a, a, an instructional CD that teaches you the process of mindfulness. And it goes throughout the day. And it has all original music in the background and it has hypnotic suggestions and stuff like that. So uh, I'd be happy to, to float that over to you. Oh, I would, uh, yeah, I'm honored. That, that'd be great. Thank you. Oh, yeah. That's so nice. Yeah. Well, I have to say we did a little research on you and it was kind of interesting what we came up with when we put your picture through our files. We actually uh, found out that you have a doppelganger. You know what that is, right? A, a double. Yeah. And and or is this really you? So I'm going to be putting up a couple pictures on the screen. I know. Look at this. Here's like, what the heck? Are you a golfer? <laughs> I'm one of those guys who, when I walk into a place, everyone's like, "Oh, you look just like." And then I'll get, you know, a dozen <laughs> different names. <laughs> no, seriously, this is what came up. We put your picture through our secret files. See that this is a new one for me. I don't know who this is. This is Hunter. Mayhem. Mayhem? I had to write his name down. Okay. My cool. mod, Timmy the Wrench, could tell you a little bit more about him. And and, and I don't see his hair much, but <sighs> this is like a dead ringer. Look at that. There's a you you might, you know, you might just be a golfer. What do you think? So I I, I we put my picture through the same filter, and this is what we got. Um, I don't know. Oh, what, I don't know what happened oh. there, but I've always wanted to be Yoda. You know that that sage on top of the hill, and everybody just comes and says, "What? What should we do? We're in so much trouble." And I go, mm. <laughs> and then I say something wise after. <laughs> I say, mm. "Do or do not. There is no try." <laughs> oh, beautiful. I love it. Which is actually true, right? That was a saying in karate. But um, you know what's funny? When we were in screenwriting class, uh, you know, I, I assume you know Star Wars if you know Yoda. Oh, yeah. Okay. So Obi Wan Kenobi is an ENFP. He was based on an ENFP. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said I didn't know one, but I guess I do. Yeah. Obi Wan yeah. always struck me as more of an introvert, though. Really? That, that was what I thought. I'm just, hey, this is just what my professor told me. So. <laughs> okay. He tells that to everybody with whatever Myers Briggs. I think mine was when I was in my undergrad, I was an ENTJ. 
And then afterwards, I think I turned into, after being a therapist for a couple of years, I turned into an, I'm more of an introvert now. I, it really, really? kind of, yeah, I, I like to talk and everything, but it takes a lot of effort for me to get up in front of people. And I do have mm. to kind of psych myself up to, to do that. And I think it's because I have, when you think about it, I have more than a hundred conversations a month when wow. I do my work. And so after that, I'm pretty done. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah. Well, let's see if there's any questions in chat. There haven't been a whole lot of people in here, so I don't think there will be, but let's see if there's anybody who has any questions. It's mostly been my mod, Timmy, and his brother talk, uh, talking. They've been plugging your book, which is on Amazon, and it's also on Audible, isn't it? Oh, maybe. I don't know. <laughs> I don't think it's on Audible. I didn't. I, I haven't recorded an audio version. It, it, I, I believe it could be on some other sites. And to be honest, and we talked about this before the show, I don't really do a whole lot of social promotion. I'm not like um, real savvy with that stuff. And I, and I also don't go after it. This is more of just kind of like I put out the best thing I possibly could just and just hoping the quality will speak for itself and more of just like an attraction type thing. It, it's, it's really just a labor of uh Oh, yes. yeah. That's so great that we're able to exchange those things too, because that's what I've been saying about my CD for years. I, we, I developed it in 2014 after I went through hypnotherapy training. And when I had like everything, like my mind and everything was just opened up and happened to be in a place where I could write some music and do some, some really they're all under 10 minutes. There's nine practices and they're all under 10 minutes and you can use them throughout the day and they're just mindfulness things. It's great. Oh, I love it. I'm so excited. I know. I'm going to, yeah. So you'll have to stick around after the show, uh, stay in StreamYard uh, after I do the exit and I'll uh, get your information and what you'd like to be able to do. Is there any last thing you'd like to, it looks like they put Zach's uh, Facebook group, uh, the mods. Thank you so much, uh, Pastor Mark and Timmy, my wrench. Uh, and uh, so there's something you're pointing at. What is, what are you pointing at? <laughs> I'm going to bring uh, Timmy the Wrench up here because I think he wants to say something. Hold on just a second here. Well, we had hey. a question. We posted a question. Oh. We, want, we wanted to know if Zach did any remote training, like through Zoom or anything like that. Oh, great. Thanks for coming on and asking that. I appreciate it. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, I, I did do it through um, through Zoom. I was doing a lot of nutrition training for sure. You can yeah. do that throughout, like, so you're in New Jersey, you can do that um, with somebody in Michigan or say Washington. Yeah, oh. absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, I was doing a lot of nutrition stuff, which funny enough, you know, well, not funny enough, it turned into a lot of emotional stuff. And I was like, hey, this is uh, maybe I should kind of raise the bar here and go become a therapist because I can only talk about the, the physical nuts and bolts and I can only get so far with the emotional. So you know, that's so true because you're sharing the energy of the people. And sometimes if you're not really knowledgeable or trained to know how to, to handle that, then, then yeah, it could get, get really intense. I've heard that from massage therapists too, that they oh, yeah. sometimes don't know what to do with, with the emotion that comes up with their work. And, and by the way, you know, all helpers and healers out there, we all have our part, we all have our medicine, we all have something to give. And I'm just really grateful for all of you, nurses, doctors, physical therapists, uh, personal trainers, nutritionists, massage therapists, therapists, psychiatrists, 
am I missing anything? Anyway, all you healers out there. I'm just so grateful that you're out there for sure. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. So we don't have any other questions then, uh, Timmy the Ranch? I didn't see any other ones. It's just been uh, marking me most of the time, but okay. yeah, no. Well, I'm grateful for you too. Thank you guys for being such good wrenches. I'm going to go ahead and take Timmy out of the stream. And uh, I guess that's it. I mean, it's been super fun and I've learned a lot. And box breathing is something that I'll definitely try to do with visualizing. Again, that's like, I learned that a long time ago, but I, like, you know, you forget to dust these things off and use them. It's a practice, right? Yeah. Thanks practice. for reminding. Thank yeah. you. And yeah. are you you're sure you're not you're not a, you know a golfer in some other life there? Or hey, what oh I do God. in my private time, I'm not going to tell you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This is yeah. This is very very interesting. Mm -hmm. Good Lord. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, again, it was really good to see you and talk to you. Stick around for a little bit and we'll wrap this up. And thank you for everybody who's listening to the replay, anybody who is out in chat. And uh, we will we'll check you out later on the next version and the next episode of Calming the Chaos. All right. Take care. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Calming the Chaos. If the information in today's podcast was helpful, please consider subscribing and share it with your friends. You can find this podcast on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, and on YouTube. You can also go to my website at www.lokahicounseling.com for more resources for calming your mental and emotional chaos. This includes a CD I created that teaches you how to practice mindfulness in less than 10 minutes. So check it out. Thanks again for listening. And I look forward to sharing my next podcast episode with you. In the meantime, take care.